everybody thank you for checking out a new episode of the volatile Core, core podcast i'm your host patrick what uh today i am joined via zoom meeting zoom chat whatever joined by mr davy jackson what's what going up? on man? yo what's up thanks for having me on man yeah thanks for doing this man i've been wanting to talk to you for a while uh ever, especially since i started uh you started releasing music i was like this guy does music what the fuck <laughs> he, tr- uh, he tries he tries uh, but cool, man, before we jump into it, uh, plug social medias, anything you got to promote, like hit him with that right now. Yeah, man. Um, so I- I'm on social media at Davey Jax, D-A-V-E-Y-J-A-X. Instagram and TikTok, oddly enough, are kind of my two primary social media platforms, but I'm on mm-hmm. Twitter and the obligatory Facebook too. Um, aside from that, I've got uh, I've got a podcast. It, it's I, I don't necessarily host or anything. I kind of produce it, and it's more of a collective podcast. Uh, we do one every week with a different host every week and a panel of comedians called the Antisocial Hour. Uh, super fun time. We're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you can find podcasts, basically. And then um, got a show coming up uh, this week, actually, on, I guess it's Thursday. Uh, and uh, a few of us will be doing a Twitch live stream with Baked Up Creations. Super fun time. We did it. Uh, we did it about a month ago. And it was uh, very successful. So we're going to do it again uh, this week. I'm stoked so, on it. So how does that work? Like, do you have an audience? Do you see people? Do you hear people? Like in the Twitch world? So it's a live stream. Um, you know, so you have an audience, but they can only comment. But one of the things that mm. we're actually going to do. Uh, for this particular live stream, we're going to give this a try. Is we're going to pull audience members into the live stream. Um, oh shit! Yeah. So if there's someone out there commenting something extra funny or extra roasty, we'll send them an invite to join our live stream, uh, so that the other other audience members can see who's been fucking with us in the chat. Oh man! And do they come up like? Are they do? Do they join like the visual of uh-huh. it? Or are they just? Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll join the video live stream as well. Yeah, so it's we'll see how, how that goes. It's yeah. going to be a disaster, dude. That's how it. is it going to turn out? Like with, with, with hecklers and people talking shit, and then you put them on yeah. the spot, and they're like, oh, I, was just oh I don't have anything to say now. Wait, I can't hide behind my keyboard anymore? Yeah. 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 That's what so, I'm interested to see. Like, who's really got balls? <laughs> so you've been uh, you've been doing, like, the, the online comedy shows and stuff. Like, how, how are you feeling about those things? So I, I haven't done an online show per se. Like I haven't done quote unquote stand up online. I, um, I, I know there's been, there've been quite a few people who have done that and they've done it well and props to them, but that's, I, I don't, I don't think I could do that. Um, yeah. I'd rather do conversations with other comedians yeah. and entertain people that way. Uh, because I mean, half of stand up, well, more than half of stand up comedy is the reaction that you get from the audience. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have an audience laughing with you or at you in my case um it's just not as fun but if you're if you're doing you know conversations with you know five or six other comedians and you're all you know video chatting at once you get their reaction so so that feeds a little bit um that's been fun so that's what i've primarily primarily focused on 
that's cool, man. Like I haven't signed up for like the online stuff yet. I really just because like it's all about the room. It's all about the live reactions, the immediate yeah. responses, and stuff like that. And I just I just haven't had the itch to do the online Twitch comedy th- like all open mics or nothing like that yet. So, well, the good news is that you know the the venues are starting to open back up. Yeah. So people yeah. people won't have to suffer through those anymore. Jay White Cotton, I think he did. He had the greatest bit on it when he said, "More people have died doing Zoom stand-up comedy than have died from the coronavirus." That, that yeah. was my that was my favorite <laughs> yeah. summary of the whole deal. Yeah. So, how do you feel about the world opening up? Are you are you ready? Have you been going out there? Has it has it kept you inside, scared shitless since it all <laughs> popped out? Um, I haven't gone to restaurants. I, I will say uh-huh. that. Like I, but I don't really like being around a lot of people anyway. Like I'm. It's weird because I'm like an extrovert, but I just don't like people trying to interact with me, you know? Um, so I actually thrived pretty hard during the during the lockdown. Like I was totally okay staying You're all home. for it. I'm all <laughs> on board. I was about it, dude. Yeah. Uh, but I will say like I miss being able to, you know, go to a restaurant that I like every now and then or just like the simple pleasures like being able to walk into Starbucks and get a coffee for God's sake, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm stoked that, I'm stoked about certain things opening back up, um, but uh, I, I'm going to miss just having an excuse to stay home and not see anyone. Like I, I will, and not having to see my family. I mean, really, if we're going to be real about it, yeah. You know, I've got it's a perfect excuse. Like, no, I can't come hang out with you guys. I'm, I, I'm still social distancing for a long. I don't want to get anyone <laughs> sick. It's for your safety, and I don't. I don't have that excuse anymore, which kind of sucks. But yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, man, I've been pretty yeah. hardcore about it because. Uh, I'm not the healthiest person, you know, uh, <laughs> and that kid, it's attacking like the, the non-healthy, you know, the obese, the diabetics. And I was and, about to say, like, what aspects of your health conditions are you most fearful of? Yeah, because well, like I said, like it, it, uh, it attacks people with diabetes or not attacks, okay. but like uh, they're more uh, susceptible, susceptible. There you go. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> hey, people, with, people with diabetes, uh, cancer treatments. Uh, asthma. I don't have asthma. Just I just don't breathe properly. And heart disease. Um, you so have like, all those things, dude. No, 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 no. That's what they oh. say. That. Oh. <laughs> That's what they say. The, the people that have those are more susceptible to catching oh, okay. the COVID uh, than not and stuff. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm just. I don't know if my body could would would fight it right now. <laughs> But I'm trying, like, there's people that aren't afraid of it, and I'm so jealous of them. Like, I wish I didn't have the fear of not getting sick. I'm not afraid of getting sick. I would just hate to somebody get sick through me, like if I was, like, a right? carrier. Like if you were a carrier? Yeah. Well, that's, that is, okay, so I, I'm kind of in the same in the same boat as you. Like, not not with the health concerns necessarily. I'm just not afraid of getting coronavirus, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I do believe in taking precautions. Like I went to Starbucks today. I went to Starbucks today. I walk in and there's several people in the Starbucks. All the employees are wearing masks. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing a mask. My girlfriend's Mm -hmm. wearing a mask. There was one other customer wearing a mask. And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck? Like, can you, like what, why would you go out without a mask right now? Yeah. Even if you don't believe that a mask is going to, you know, protect you a hundred percent, you know, like, why would you, that's like saying like, well, condoms can't protect you a hundred percent from yeah. sexually transmitted diseases. So I'm just not going to wear one at all. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. 
that, that, that kind of logic doesn't make any sense at all to me. And I don't understand the people with a principle that are taking a principled stand against masks. Like what is wrong with you? Yeah, like, I don't. Correct. I don't understand that either. Like, just people that wear it improperly, or they have it around their neck. I was like, dude, like it's you're fucking gross. Like, people that don't wear masks <laughs> are just gross to me. I was like, like, yeah. how are you not just just play along? Like, let's just all like be in this like, together and all this stuff. Yeah, be supportive at the very least. You know, like you don't need to. Like, this is not the time to tout your political beliefs when it comes to wearing a face mask. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, like that's it's just such garbage. I I. I have a really hard time not wanting to slap those people in the face. Yeah. I'm going to put it that way. It's fucking annoying as fuck. But, uh, but anyway, I wanted to slap that little girl in Starbucks. That's what I'm saying. I wanted to slap that 12 year old little girl (laughs) in the face, like right in her stupid mouth that wasn't covered by a mask. Uh, so anyway, dude, uh, so you've released a couple of tracks on Spotify since this all went off. Were were those recorded? Were you working on that before or was that quarantine recorded? Like, yeah, that was all quarantine recorded, man. I, um, I mean, I've, I've played and recorded music like most of my adult life. Um, but I'd kind of taken a break from it after I got kicked out of my last band. Um, so I would jam every now and then and, and I'd play a gig here and there if I was invited, but, uh, I had, I haven't been in the studio in a couple years actually. Uh Um, and so I'd, I'd had like little riffs that I'd written or, you know, pieces of songs um, that I had like, you know, record on my iPhone or whatever. So once the lockdown started, I was like, hey, I've got plenty of time on my hands and I've got all the equipment. Like, why don't I just start laying down some tracks? And I yeah, did. Yeah. And it, it got pretty good. Uh, it got pretty good feedback. So I decided to get them published through, uh, through my distributor. That's cool, man. Have you been writing some more stuff? Are you working on an album right now or anything? Yeah, man. So, um, I actually ended up putting together a band again, which hasn't happened in a long time. Mm. Um, we're already, we're already booked for a couple gigs, uh, in oh, June. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, so we've already started practicing. We've got like a, a really badass practice space actually. Um, we don't have a name yet. We do not have a name, which uh-huh. <laughs> is, is a problem for advertising, but you know, um, yeah, we've got a great practice space. We've, we've been, uh, writing quite a bit. We've got a full album's worth of songs. Um, but they're not all like the quality songs that, that I would want to put on an album. Yeah. Like, you, usually for me, in order to come up with a good, a solid album, you need to write at least like 50 songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 12 of those can make actually the make it on yeah. the album. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing, dude. Like, so how, how did you find these guys in quarantine? Did you already know these people? Were they already in place? So, um, one of them, the, the primary guy that I write with, like we've known each other for a while and we've written songs together, but we've never actually played in a band together. Um, and so when this started happening, we were like, Hey, once this quarantine thing is over, let's get set up so we can actually, you know, gigs since we've never really, uh, we've done one gig together. Um, Mm -hmm. we did like a, uh, like a charity gig together. Um, and, uh, so I went and I, I found a drummer that, I had known from the local scene here in San Antonio from a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, he's very, very talented drummer. Um, and then I found a bassist uh, that I've known for about a year as well. And uh, we got together a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, let's, let's do this thing. And so we started practicing and we've got, uh, we've got a six song set that we're starting with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we just got to get that nice and tight uh, before the first gig. So, <laughs> and we need to find a name. Those two things. Get real yeah, tight man. on the set and find a name. That's that's amazing, dude. Like, good luck with that. Like, yeah, the, naming a band is like the hardest thing to do, you know, because everybody wants, wants it to be like their idea, their name, like something cool, something dark, uh-huh. a full sentence of a name type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's always the the warring opinions about name. Like, there's always the one metal guy that wants to go like, "What about like Crestfallen Vengeance?" And you're yeah. just like, "Whoa, dude!" <laughs> yeah, we no. play pop. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's gonna throw out a street name. Like, let's call it uh, Crown Ridge Avenue. Like, let's yeah, just be let's yeah, just yeah. be a street, you know? Yeah. Um, but the emo hardcore kid in me wants to go with something like more on the dramatic melancholy side, uh-huh. but. Um, I feel like I feel like that time has passed. Yeah, I get that, man. I get that. Yeah. Uh, but that's cool. So, what what type of sound are you going for? Like, what type of sound do you have for this so, band? I'm calling it grunge core. Nice, for like lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely like inspired by the Nirvanas of the world, okay. uh, the Sound Gardens, um, you know, Candlebox, Mud Honey, those guys. Like that sound that they created back in the '90s, but updated. Uh, so like a little faster, a little peppier, yeah. um, and a little more polished. Yeah. That's amazing. So you're, you're not from San Antonio or you like all those bands you named, like were Seattle bands. Were you, yeah. are you from the Pacific Northwest? No, dude. Um, I just, I was obsessed with Kurt Cobain when I was younger. Same. Uh, yeah. yeah, dude, that, that was my idol, man. Um, I grew my hair out because of Kurt Cobain. I started doing heroin because of Kurt Cobain. You know, I just really patterned. <laughs> Very <laughs> influenced. Very influenced on all spe- aspects influenced. of life. <laughs> Try, tried to have sex with Courtney Love. You know, all those things. All yeah. the things Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain did, yeah. Uh, no, I actually, so I grew up in Houston, uh, oh, but I didn't, start, I didn't start playing in bands until uh, I lived up in the Northeast. So I actually kind of got started like around the, the New York scene of music. Oh, wow, man. Um, yeah, so all those like old emo bands that came out of the Long Island scene, like mm-hmm. I knew, not like closely knew them, but uh, I I was associated or familiar with like Adam Lazara from Taking Back Sunday, Jesse Lacey from Brand New, John Nolan, who started with Taking Back Sunday and then went to Straylight Run and then back to Taking Back Sunday. Like that whole Long Island scene, um, I was kind of in the area while they were becoming famous. Oh, that's cool. And were you yeah. you were in bands up there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How serious were those bands? Like, did you get any success from those type of bands back then? Yeah. So, you know that thing where you start to to develop a following, and you think you're going to be famous, and people are telling you you're going to be famous, mm-hmm. um, and then you let it go to your head. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to me. Uh, so we, the the band that I was in at the time, we started generating some some buzz locally. Uh, we got approached by some record companies. Uh, a bunch of our buddies were getting signed at the time. And this was back, like, this was still like when you got signed to a record deal, it wasn't just marketing, mm-hmm. you know, like they would promote you, they would pay for a tour, they would mm-hmm. pay for the recording, mm-hmm. you know, like you were gods when you got a record deal. Now it's just like, if you get no, a there's no deal, money, like, in, in, nah, yeah. dude, now, that, now it's just like a name. Like we'll just put like our record label stamp on your mm-hmm. release. And, and yeah. we might get you nominated for a Grammy or something. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were talking to some record labels and generating local buzz. And I kind of like started letting that go to my head. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was doing all the, the, the writing and singing and uh, 
you know, I was kind of the, the band leader, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's also when I started getting into drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so between the ego and the drug abuse, um, the, uh, <laughs> that opportunity passed by very quickly. Yeah, man. <laughs> very, it's very to, quickly. It's hard to stay functioning when, uh, when the drugs kick in. It, it really is, man. It really, uh, yeah. So I, I like bounced around from band to band after that, uh, for a while. Um, mm. and you were the front man of all these bands. Um, yeah, yeah. I've never, the only time I haven't been a front man for a band is, uh, an all instrumental project that, that I was a part of for a little while. Oh, uh, wow. Like that, post, post hardcore type of stuff. Yeah. Kind of post hardcore think like, um, explosions in the sky. Yeah. Um, this will destroy you like that kind of sound. It was amazing. And, and, and that band actually got really popular too. Uh, but you know, uh, I was asked to leave that band as well after a, a couple drug fueled meltdowns. So, <laughs> dang man, yeah, I got I got kicked out of a few bands actually. <laughs> wow, dude, I couldn't hold it, hold it together. So, was it that like the loss of that whole like not playing music anymore that kind of helped you get off? I think, things? yeah, I mean, I I think that that you know, music has always been so important to me. And I think that absolutely like losing that aspect of my identity, being in bands and writing music and recording and Mm -hmm. playing shows and that sort of thing, like losing that part of my identity because of, you know, my, my drug and alcohol abuse problems that, that certainly played a role. Mm -hmm. Um, But honestly, like I was so egotistical back then that, you know, I would just say, Oh, well screw you guys. I'll, I'll do my own thing. I don't care. You know? Yeah. Um, like the guy, the guy I think that has done it perfectly. Um, and by perfectly, I mean just a complete disaster is, uh, Johnny Craig. I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Craig. I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy was in dance, Gavin dance, mm-hmm. crazy popular on the scene. I, I mean, the guy has a phenomenal voice and incredible songwriting ability. Um, and he has just been kicked out of every band he's been a part of because of drug abuse, you know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's got a rowdy heroin habit. Um, Did he have some sexual allegations against him too, or was that some that was? Yeah, else? There, there was definitely some of that. Yeah, there was, okay, there yeah, was some yeah, of that yeah. abusive relationships. There was some, um, there was some sexual assault allegations yeah, made. Yeah. None of, I don't think he ever um, was convicted of anything, but just you know, accusations. Yeah, a lot of accusations. Yeah, and and he was also <laughs> this is hilarious. So he at one point was so broke uh, that he tried raising money by selling fake laptops on what? Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was oh, like, shit. I've got a bunch of laptops that I can sell you guys like in true junkie crackhead fashion. Yeah. Like I got a bunch of laptops that I can sell you guys, send me money and I'll send you the laptops. And it was this whole scheme and he made a bunch of money off of it and lost a bunch of fans because of it. That's insane. But he's, yeah. he's back now, right? Like he's made like a comeback in music. Um, he makes comebacks and then self-destructs. Uh, so, so he's still battling with it. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, for sure. But he just released, um, like a solo album basically that did really well on the charts. Um, But before that he was in a band called slaves, uh, and they were actually getting a lot of recognition, Mm -hmm. strong traction, touring, playing phenomenal sold out shows. Um, and he got kicked out because of his drug use. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that to me is a perfect example of, of what I was doing on just a much, much smaller scale, much less successful scale. Yeah. Yeah. 
So with the quarantine kind of inspired you to get back into playing music or was it on the back burner always? Or did you like go like a dry spell of no music, no different, like a different direction in your life? I've always done something music related, uh-huh. you know, like whether it's just playing for myself, you know, like writing songs for myself on the piano or, you mm-hmm. know, playing the guitar, or just jamming with buddies. I've always done like something music related. Uh, but I would definitely say that the quarantine, the, the the whole lockdown deal and just being stuck inside absolutely was the catalyst for serious songwriting, serious recording and and actually putting together um, a band again. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I kind of liked how, how, how you uh, label it as uh, your identity, right? You said like music mm-hmm. was kind of your identity too. And I say that too when it, when it comes to drums. And then when I say it out loud to a person who doesn't really understand it, like it sounds so like, uh, uh, I, can't, I can't think of the word. I just had it's, it too. It's, it's kind of lame, but also kind of pretentious. Like it's pretentious. a little bit of both of those things. It sounds yeah. very pretentious. Because I've always been the type of person who, that needs to have a, an identity, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like for so long, it was playing music, it was being in drums, it was touring, doing all, like that was my identity and stuff, gave all that up. So searching for an identity again, which when you say identity, identity, it sounds so pretentious, but uh-huh. it's a, it's a fact. Like people right. need to, to know who they are, to know where they stand. And, uh, and so that's why I kind of like made my transition in, into comedy on that searching uh, for an identity type thing too. Mm-hmm. But now going back and forth, like with this, this quarantine and trying to realize like, you know, the world could shut down at any time. Like anything right. could be taken away from you at any time. I'm kind of, I'm dabbling with the idea of getting back into drums and stuff. Cause uh, I, I did that for years. I moved, I lived in Austin, I lived in Seattle, all mm. because of music and because of drums and stuff. And then I just stopped. Hmm. Um, but I, I want to get back into that. I, I want to get back into doing everything that I, that I like comedy, music, you know, other things, you know, like learning other things and stuff. Uh, so I, I appreciate, and I totally get it when you said like that was the identity mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff and, and moving forward. Did, have you talked, have you talked on this podcast about why you stopped playing drums? I don't, I don't think so. And uh, I've been curious about that because you were clearly a talented drummer. I've seen the videos. You thanks, know what you were man, doing. thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I really, uh, I left Seattle when things were getting really big. I was mm. getting, I was in a band called He Who Zox Is Gord, and they were down for the struggle. They knew it was going to be a struggle, grind, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, like, it, it, it was hard. Just now, they've been in it. They've been a band for like ten years, and they're just now getting the recognition that they've wanted since day one. You know what I really? mean? Really? Yeah, they're still they're still family to me. We're like we're still best friends, and I wish nothing but the best. But I didn't have that mentality anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't struggle anymore. I was getting older. Uh, I had nothing to my name. I had nothing in my name, and uh, the depression and loneliness and all that stuff. Because I'm so far away from home. Right. Um, and my friends and all that stuff and uh, family. So I thought, I thought leaving that situation would help me mentally, you know, help, help with my stableness and all that stuff. Uh, so I left that, have some regrets, but I, I, I still have mad love and support uh, for, for that band. They're still continuing. They're still going on. And Man, then, isn't it, isn't it funny how we as artists, it's, it's always all or nothing, right? 
It's yeah. either I'm going full bore on whatever project it is, whether it's drumming in a band or doing stand up or uh, even painting. I, I've, I've done a lot of like painting as well. And it's, it's either like I'm going full in on this or I'm not doing it at all. Like that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so that was the mentality when I came back, like uh, I had friends, I have a lot of talented musician friends uh, that I love jamming out with and stuff. But just as you said, like when you get involved in something, it's all or nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And when you have that mentality, but nobody else does, you're just mm-hmm. like, well, fuck this. You know, why am yeah. I wasting my time? If, if, if I'm not going to be in something that everybody's a hundred percent all the time, like I am, then I don't, I don't want to be a part of it and stuff. Yeah. And then, so I was in, I was in a band at, at the time, uh, right before I, I said, fuck it and walked away. Um, my, my grandma was real sick. Oh, okay. My grandma was real sick and we had a big show coming up and I felt, I felt really bad that I couldn't be there. Like we all knew it was like the last days and stuff, but there I was, I was like, well, I got obligated to this band and I want to be good for this band and all that stuff. So I would not go see my grandma to go to rehearsals. And then those people who I was, you know, sacrificing my time weren't sacrificing their time. And like, Oh, I got a headache. I don't, I don't feel like jamming. I was like, I, I should, I, I, I miss visiting my grandma. You know what I mean? <laughs> my grandma's dying, but you have a headache. Uh, all right. Like whatever. something like that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, I'm not going to, I, I don't take it out on anybody. It's nobody's fault. Everybody has their own thing. And, and I get that. Right. Uh, like we're all busy. They, they were more busy than I was. My, the only, the only conflict that I had was visiting my grandma within certain hours of, of the day. Um, and then my grandma passed and I, f- I felt really bad that I was sacrificing so much time for something that wasn't a hundred percent me, mm-hmm. wasn't a hundred percent for me. Like I've been in bands that we were all like blood brothers. We're going down with the ship. We're all rocking hard. We're all in it 100%. So we're all sleeping in, in the Walmart parking lot. Like we, we were like bonded like that. And as we get older, it's it, like bands are just like a hobby, you know, like it's right. not, we're, we're not all in it to win it. We're not all like searching for record labels and, and big name promotional tours and all that stuff. You know, like some people just want to jam to have fun. And I get that. But my wasn't in that mindset at that time, so I was like, if if, if I'm not gonna know, I'm not gonna waste my time or put myself 100 percent on something that I don't feel everybody else is 100 percent into. Well, see, I'm kind of with you though. I I don't understand the concept of just jamming for the sake of jamming for the pure joy of playing music. Like I I don't get that, man. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna work that hard to put together a song, yeah, you know, and you're gonna sacrifice time. Like there better be an end goal like that. But, and that's the way I feel, but I know there's See, plenty of people who don't feel that way. Yeah. It's, it's a dangerous way of thinking. Like, I'm not going to say that the way my, 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 the way of thinking is right. Cause it's not sure. You know, like get you like, you got to get over, it. you got to be real with yourself. Like you're just a group of guys, a group of friends making music, jamming out. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's it. Sometimes that's, that's all it is. But in my mind, I had this, let's make this, all our life. Let's mm-hmm. make this our life. And this is all that matters. And that's not fair. That's, that's not a fair way to be on your bandmates. And it's not, it's not even fair, fair to yourself because there I was saying like, well, we have to show, I can't go see my grandma, you know? Yeah. So, so it was on me. It was on the band that I was in at the time, but 
you know, it was it was mostly on me. Like I felt like if I'm not loving something, then I'm not going to sacrifice again. I'm not going to miss out on time where I should be somewhere else right. with with other people again. And I was like, and that's when I just stopped playing drums. You know, I was like, huh. I'm I, like anything that's going to occupy my time. It's going to be 100 percent for me. And that's it. You know. Yeah. But you, I mean, you do bring up a good point. Like if you're, if you're going to do anything with other people, whether it's music, uh, any other kind of artistic endeavor, even business related stuff, like you got to make sure that you all have the same mindset. And, And that's one of the things that I've struggled with in bands a lot is I would be that, drive, 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 like push, push, push. We gotta, we gotta practice. We gotta write, we gotta record, we gotta, we gotta gig. Um, and and not everyone was always on the same page. Um, I I will say the, the instrumental band that I was in, uh, we were all on the same page. Uh, and like we were all determined that we're going to make something out of this and it's, it's going to be famous basically. Um, and you know, unfortunately for me, the, the drug priority kind of overruled the the band priority um you know but they did end up i mean they did end up recording uh with uh who was it was it explosions in the sky i think produced the album that i helped write mm-hmm. um and then they went on a uh uh an a uh is asian tour is that the right way to say that they went yeah. on a tour of asia um uh, yeah so so they they toured around asia and it was really cool and then ultimately got featured on a movie soundtrack um you know, so they, they actually did really, really well after I was kicked out. So I'm almost thinking like, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe are, I'm the, are, the, are the they still, there. are they still going? Are they still banned? No, uh, uh-uh. no. The, uh, the guy that I started the band with, he, he now does, uh, he manages other bands and he is a booker. Uh, so the cool Dude, thing I think is, we're ta- I think we know, uh, cause I, you're talking about bright like the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I was I was jamming with those guys. Were you and, really? Yeah, right before I like I quit maybe for for the same reason. <laughs> like right before, because the rehearsal schedules were just so like they would cancel at the last minute. Like they all they all had kids, you know, and they would cancel last minute. And like I was like, oh, what the fuck? And so I I told him I was like, you know what, man? Like I just I just need something that's gonna be more more serious and and uh, they're like we, we are serious and i was like yeah okay but just looking for something else and like then, more boom, serious, they though. took off they fucking took off it was a great band like I, I love those guys too man i love those guys uh yeah so so me and rob had started jamming uh before bright like the sun was founded i guess like me rob and a couple other guys started jamming um i kind of went off on a uh, a drug tangent and dropped off and Rob met some of the other band, the band members and formed and ended up forming bright like the sun. I got invited back to help write, uh, did, did some of that with those guys. Um, did we meet before? Did we jam before? Like in that, in that I, house up by, uh, by Fiesta, Texas? I don't think I ever said, I, well, I mean, honestly, dude, it's extremely possible. I had really long hair back then. Um, and I was always, like extraordinarily high or extraordinarily drunk. One of those. Probably two. not. I would, I would remember that and stuff. Yeah, I, only, no, you, I only jammed with them for like a couple of months. And then I was like, ah, no, I don't think so. It was, it was probably after I left. It was very early on. I think it was, it was before they were even, they were even settled on the name called bright like the sun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We were still kicking around name ideas and stuff. It was, it was, I was jamming with them in the very early, early days of bright like the sun, but that's so funny. Small world, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so, you know, Rob, Rob's my boy. He and I, he and I have been friends for a long, long time. Yeah, Rob, Rob can tell some stories about me, dude. Rob can <laughs> Rob can tell some great stories about me. There was there was one night where I had 
been doing uh, more than my fair share of uppers and decided to go do karaoke. Um, <laughs> and just, it was an absolute disaster. Just an like I was up on stage high out of my mind, jaw jacking like a motherfucker. Yeah. The rest of the band was just watching and laughing hysterically. That was a good time. Yeah. Uh, so like getting, getting back into like playing music, like what made you want to start a band again? Um, that's a really good question. I think it's just because I, I got tired of writing by myself. Mm. Um, and I knew at some point I'd have to, I'd have to gig and mm. I'm actually, so I can write and record guitar parts really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason I can, I can just write riffs, uh, pretty effortlessly. But when it comes to playing them well, and, and especially when it comes to lead guitar, uh, I, it is just not my talent. Uh, mm. I can play rhythm guitar pretty well. Uh, I can fill in on guitar, mm. uh, but singing and keys are kind of my primary. Um, yeah. And so I knew I'd, if I was going to gig, I wouldn't be able to do like looper pedals by myself. Plus, that's just boring and lame. Um, yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, dude, that's so boring and lame. I've, I've watched people do that and more power to them. Uh, there, are, there are a couple of guys that are really, really good at that. Henry, um, Henry Invisible is actually one of the guys that's really good at that. And he started mm-hmm. here in San Antonio um, and he loops all his shit, but I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, for a while I was trying to learn how to do it, like be a uh, loop musician. Like, cause I was, if mm-hmm. I'm going to create music, I'm going to do it on my own. And I've done some like uh, production work and stuff, but it just doesn't make me happy. It's a lot of time. You got to put <laughs> a lot of time, like put, oh, yeah. putting that, all that stuff together. And then just for the final product and they're just like, that, that's it. I spent a whole week putting this together. <laughs> oh, there it is, I guess. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's it's, the extent of it, I suppose. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, but you can't like doing that live. It just doesn't work, man. Unless you want to play bar gigs your whole life. No, it just doesn't. I don't see it working like that too. So, uh, so, okay. So we've, we've met through the, the comedy open mic scene in San Antonio yeah. and stuff. When did you start getting into comedy? When, when did that come into play? Dude, someone asked me that the other day, and I honestly, I, I want to say it was like last August or September or something like that. I know it was still hot because I was still wearing my cutoff sleeve shirts, yeah. which is like kind of my <laughs> signature move, you know? Yeah. Um, but it got it started getting cold shortly thereafter. So I want to say it was like August that I started mm-hmm. um, and then um, got like actually got to do a couple like paid shows, and that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um and then the pandemic hit. Um, and none of us have done any paid shows since then. <laughs> no, nothing. It just stopped. Uh, what, what made you want to get into it, though? Oh, I don't. That, that's a really good question. Because um, I don't really know the answer. I think part of it was still that, that desire to perform for an audience. Because mm-hmm. um, it's weird. For a long time, I didn't miss playing shows with a band. I yeah. missed, I missed being in the studio. Like that's my favorite part is creating the records. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really missed playing shows and I don't know, man, I just like started getting this itch to perform again and I didn't want to do it with a band, uh, because I'd been down that road so many times. And so I thought, well, you know what, let me, let me try this stand up comedy thing. Like I'm good at telling stories. Yeah. Uh, and then I found out very quickly that just telling stories is not good enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they actually have to be relatable and funny and personal. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I just wrote and wrote and wrote a bunch. Um, but as far as like why I started doing it, I guess, I guess it was like kind of that desire to perform for people and, and try something yeah. new, try something new and see if I was good at it. Um, 
which, you, you know, that's, that's still very much up for debate, but it's fun. It's so, so fun. And kind of like you were saying, man, like you can't, you can't have, I've, I haven't seen very many successful one man bands aside from maybe like shaky graves or something, mm-hmm. but, um, comedy you can do by yourself completely. Yeah. That's really the, the beauty of it is that mm-hmm. it is because like going back to like how we were talking about how bands, how you, everybody needs to be on the same schedule. Everybody wants to, has to want it the same. And even though people, somebody says they want it the same, you, you see that they don't with comedy or anything that you could do like as a solo production, like it's all on you, which is so great. It's so mm-hmm. awesome to have that control, mm-hmm. to have that power. And then, if anybody's failing, it's, it's you. <laughs> That's the flip side of it, right? Yeah. That's the flip side. It's great having that control, but if you suck, you know, it's only your fault. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Because like, even in a band thing, like we'll be like, well, like what? Okay. Who's not, who's not playing their part, right? Like who's mm-hmm. not getting like, who's right. not clicking with, you know, and all that stuff. So right. it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's more, it's more direct to find out, to, to fix the solution, to find out what the problem is with, 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 with comedy, because it's you, it's yeah. all you, it's, it's all you, you, baby, <laughs> you know? And if you want to go out five times a week, then you're going to go out five to times a week. Like nobody else is going to get in your way time wise. Unless you like have a significant other that threatens to divorce you for going out too many times. Yeah. You but you'll, see, you'll burn <laughs> that bridge when you get there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it Comedy is a great thing, and it kind of has that same feeling, that same satisfaction, the same response, the same like I've worked on this and I'm I'm making this happen. You know, right. I'm getting reactions of that people. Like before, I, I love at the end of the song that whole like, ah, you know, and they're like, oh, they really fucking enjoyed that. They really uh-huh. had a good time. I'm I'm I worked on that. You know. And uh, that finding finding that was my my way to get into comedy and stuff. So it was always the payoff. Like, yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to see another musician uh, that goes into comedy after being on like in a live music setting and stuff. Because a lot of, a lot of comics they 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 just jumped into comedy. Like, what were you doing yeah. before that? Like, I tried I tried doing this <laughs> podcast where I, it was called the X Lives, where I want to know. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I spent 20 plus years playing music in bands, touring, recording, all that stuff. And now I'm doing comedy. Right. Um, so I was like, so what were you doing before comedy? They're like, I don't know. I worked at McDonald's. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, like, your project before this. I don't yeah, really have yeah, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it's always interesting. Like I, I like talking to, and I didn't know you were so deep into it, man. Like, and that's what sucks about uh, the open mic scene. Uh, and that's why I, I like doing this podcast is because I never knew any of that of you. I just found out that you wrote, record music that's pretty good. And then you have this whole past life of being a musician, you know, up in the, the East Coast and all that stuff. And that's fucking amazing, man. I'm, I'm, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And you know what, dude, we have such an advantage, like having been a part of performance entertainment before stand-up yeah. comedy. Like, yeah. cause your stage presence is solid. Like it's solid. Oh, thanks man. Thanks. Um, and you can't say that for a lot of the other stand-up comedians that we open mic with because mm-hmm. they've, they've never had that experience. Like in stage fright is a real thing. But for me, you know, uh, one of, uh, one of my buddies, he was, he was, it was Jay White cotton actually. Um, he goes, you have the, you have the confidence of a convicted felon on stage. You know? <laughs> and it's like, and, 
and, and, and he's right. Like I've, I've just never struggled with stage fright. I didn't have to battle that going into stand-up comedy like a lot of other people do. Yeah, years as a front man in front of a band, in front of audiences, like that that helps. That's a great yeah, dude. You know, transition because you're a front man now. Now there's, the music's just shut down. Yeah, I'm used to having off. a microphone in front of my face and people staring. Yeah, that's and, great. And not always getting the reaction I hoped for. <laughs> and, and truth be told, man, when I first saw you, I was like, I do not like his confidence. He's way <laughs> too confident. But now it makes sense. I mean, years of being the front man of bands, like how can you not be confident up there, you know? Uh. It's like that. And it's it's true. It's it's earned. Like you you get it. Like there's a lot of people that are confident on stage that are it's all bullshit. And you right. can see right through that and stuff. Yours was legit, which is why I hated it even more. I was like, <laughs> why is this cause you just came out of nowhere, like you're confident as a motherfucker talking to everybody. I was like, this motherfucker's confident. Like <laughs> He pay his fucking dues. Why is he so confident already? <laughs> I, I hate him. I hate him for his well-balanced approach. I hate it. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, you know what, though? Actually, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because that, that was something I kind of had to – I won't say I had to battle it, but there were definitely some people – and I, I never got – I never got this vibe for you from you, I should say. So you, you hit it well, but there were other people that absolutely resented me for it. It's like you came out of nowhere, you get up on stage, people like you, fuck you guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not always getting the biggest laughs, but you know, uh, because I can, I I have that experience winning people over and being a front man, like, you know, I can, I can kind of win people over a little easier than others. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed about you. Like, you didn't get, you, you weren't uh, shook by people not not vibing with you. You knew what you were there to say. You knew what you wanted to say on stage. And if they didn't give you the response, you're just like, you're, you just keep going in your in yourself. And yeah. I was like, like that confidence, like, I, like everybody wants that confidence stuff. Like, if I don't get the first laugh or the laugh but in the first, like, you know, 60 seconds, I'm like, shaking i'm done i want out give me the light where's the light and you 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 just coasted like that you had that front man confidence and now i understand why so now i don't hate you as much for it but i appreciate that you know what if if for nothing else than you hating me less i'm glad we did this Uh, (laughs) uh but that's that's cool, man. That's cool to know, man. Uh, we gotta like nerd out on music a lot and stuff. And uh, I was interested that you you named a lot of Seattle bands, and I'm interested to hear what your 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 grunge core sound is, you know, because I, I really like grunge. I like the the uh, Seattle music scene. As a kid, I mean, that's not what I was playing when I was in Seattle. I was in more like heavy heavy bands, doom type of bands and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we should sit down and nerd out on, on music and shit. Like, I would like, yeah. I'd see what your perspective is on certain things. Dude, I, I would absolutely love to. And, and the weird thing for me is like, that's always been uh, what I love the most or the genre of music, I should say, that I love the most is that, yeah. that grunge and even like a little bit of the post-grunge, like late 90s, early 2000s rock. Um, yeah. Um, you know, but I've always played in kind of, kind of like your experience. I've played in hardcore emo type bands like I, I never really played or wrote grunge music mm-hmm. um and so it's it's actually been uh, a little bit of an exercise for me like trying to stay in that that grunge type sound mm-hmm. um and not just revert straight back to like the emo hardcore type yeah. sounds yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you could still like make it make an old sound new, like an old genre yeah. new, you know, just yeah. bring in different elements of it and stuff. Uh, so, are you going to be the the main writer in this new band? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of the idea with collaboration from the other, the other musicians, my, my lead guitarist, especially like he's, he's a really talented, uh, singer songwriter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've, we've collabed, we've collabed writing songs for the past, like, I want to say five or six years, probably Uh we've written stuff together. Uh, we just never ended up doing an actual project together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so he'll, he'll do a lot of the writing. Uh, I'll do most of the writing, um, with, with his help. Uh, is kind of how we we've set it up, and he and I are both kind of um, a type dominant personalities. Uh-huh. Um, and so when we initially talked about it, he was like, "Look, man, I'm just gonna let you like drive the car here, so that I don't try to take it over, mm-hmm. um, because we we both know that's what'll happen." And fortunately, mm-hmm. we're we're mature enough, and we both played in enough bands that we don't have to to fight over that. Like maybe less experienced artists would. Yeah. So when everything does open up how are you going to balance these two art forms, comedy a, and music? That is a really good question, man. Uh, have you thought about I, that at all? I have a lot uh, because, and, and here, here's how I think it, it's going to work out because when you're first starting out with a new band, it doesn't matter how much experience you have, how many songs you have, it's going to take a while to start booking regular gigs. Like huh. you'll get one offs, you know, maybe play like two or three times a month, you know? That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty standard for a brand new band. Unless, unless you're willing to go out and just play shitty dive bars, which I'm not willing to do. Um, so if I'm booking at, you know, nicer venues, uh, around town, I expect to be able to book like maybe two or three gigs a month initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that'll leave plenty of time to do, you know, the, the stand-up comedy as well. Okay. So you do plan I to think. pursue both. And until it becomes, until it becomes necessary to choose one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's kind of the idea. Yeah. But the cool thing, here's the other cool thing about both comedy and music is they're so intertwined in the entertainment industry. Uh-huh. You know, like there's, there's all kinds of comedians that'll open up for bands and mm-hmm. vice versa, mm-hmm. you know? So one isn't necessarily mutually exclusive of the other and they're both nighttime uh, performance art. You know, you don't yeah. do you don't play shows either comedy or music during the day, hardly ever. Yeah. Um, and so it still leaves me time during the day to, to do my, you know, normal big boy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, so you talk a lot uh, on stage, a lot about it, like your, your drug use, your sobriety and all that stuff. Yeah. What was it that finally made you say, I got to stop. I got to clean this up. I got to sober, be sober. I would say it was, it was a, it was a combination of a bunch of things. Um, I, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people ask like, Oh, did you like, like, did you overdose? Like, is that what happened? And you almost died. And and Mm -hmm. that's why you decided you get, well, I, I overdosed multiple times, Mm -hmm. um, while I was using. So it was never like, it was never that fear necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, although I will say like it, and anyone who's, who's done drugs, like hardcore, like I did, mm-hmm. will, will tell you that there comes a point in time where it's not necessarily that you want to die. You just don't want to live with it anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and I did get to that point, but, but it wasn't just, you know, depression over being a drug, drug addict necessarily. There were, there were a culmination of, uh, or not a culmination of events, but a, a multiplicity of events um, I was engaged at the time. Um, and my, my ex fiance had actually 
uh, gone to rehab um, and got kicked out of rehab for, wow. for smuggling drugs into rehab. Um, yeah. And, and they do a, they do a full body search. So you can, you know, kind of imagine how she got those. <laughs> in there. Um, but yeah, so she had gone into rehab, got kicked out of rehab. And then, um, I like that just kind of sent me spiraling. Um, both of my, both of my grandfathers had, had passed away like in quick succession. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I just kind of gotten to, uh, like, I, I guess a lot of people call it like your rock bottom, mm-hmm. uh, between the fiance stuff, between some family stuff or deaths in the family. Um, and then just how, uh, how depressed I had become. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, I've got to, I've got to change something like something's got to give here. I can't keep going like this or I'm going, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, all of those things kind of coming together at the same point where, where I would say like the catalyst for me deciding to, to make a change. Cause I'd, interestingly enough, man, like I had, I had detoxed multiple times. Um, I, I, I went to rehab when I was 16 and I'd never gone again after that. Yeah. I know a lot of people like they go to rehab, you know, dozens of times. Um, that was not for me. Like I went the one time and I was like, nah, I'm not doing that again. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had detoxed on my own like multiple times, but I'd, I'd never stayed sober for more than 10 days. Um, like that was the max. Like I would get to 10 days and then I'd just be like, okay, I'm not going to go as hard this time or I'm not going to you know, do the hard drugs this time. I'm going to stick with the lighter stuff or I'm just going to drink or whatever, but it would always end up um, going straight back to, you know, all the way in and worse than before, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, and so the, the last time, um, you know, I, uh, I detox, detox on my sofa. I, I ended up having a seizure from, uh, benzo and alcohol withdrawal. Uh, so that was kind of, that had never happened before. So that was kind of scary. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd overdosed, but never had like a, uh, detox induced seizure. So that was a new experience actually. Oh, um, wow. yeah. And so, uh, I, I went through the detox, which, you know, lasts, uh, for me, it lasted about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the first week was like, that was the absolute worst. Um, the physical symptoms of a detox are like the worst case of the flu you've ever had. Like that's, yeah. that's basically what I could compare it to. So in reality, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, the worst case of the flu is tough. Like it sucks, but yeah. it's not like, it's not like, Oh my God, you know, I'm in excruciating pain nonstop. It's, it's, uh, it is painful, but you know, it's not like, um, I don't know. It's not like having cancer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it sucks. Uh, but the physical aspect of it isn't that bad as the mental aspect, like in your brain telling you every five seconds, like you could, you could just do a little bit of dope and not Mm. be sick anymore. You know, that's the hardest part. Um, but yeah, I got through that, uh, about two weeks and then I I ended up, you know, as, as have a lot of other people, I, I ended up going through, uh, uh, a 12 step program. Um, oh, yeah. and, and that's what that I fully believe that's what actually like kept me sober this time around. Cause dude, I, I was a heavy drug user for, uh, upwards of 10 years. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and, and I tried so many times to quit, but I'd never actually tried like uh, a 12 step program. And so when I did that, like I was actually able to stay sober, which is, and now it's been several years, uh, which is cool. Several years. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been sober for a long time now, like seven, six or seven years. Dang, dude. And so yeah. are, are you still, I mean, I guess you don't have to answer this, but are you still keeping up with some type of program? Are you finding it hard? Are you still like, is that temptation still there? And then again, like you're putting yourself in situations, yeah. you're, you're going to start playing rock shows. Yeah. You're going to start hanging out with comedians. Uh-huh. You know, everything that has that party aspect included in it. Like, right. How do you do that? How do you stay in the in that environment and not let it uh, overtake you? That's that right there is probably the most common question that I get. Like how? Because I like I still go to clubs. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll go and get you know bottle service at, at a club here in town every now and then. Um, so I'm around it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Like it was. I think I think I'd been sober for like a month at this point. And I went to a party with a bunch of friends and, and some of these friends had quite a bit of money and we're, we're hanging out at a really nice pool. We're all having a great time, relaxing, chilling out. And, uh, someone, someone busted out a, a big old bag of Coke. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Uh. Um, <laughs> then someone did something that I'd never seen before. Um, and it was a temptation because they pulled out a Ferrari key and started doing Coke bumps off a Ferrari key. Oh, I'd, wow. I'd never done that. Uh, that's a flex. Like, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a that's flex. That's like the hardest flex of all time. It was um, like, y'all want to do a, a, a bump off my Ferrari key? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Um, but yeah, interestingly enough, I've, I, uh, there have definitely been times where it's just like, I know, I, I, I know an easy way out of this situation that I'm in right now, whether it's, you know, I, like I went through a, a pretty tough breakup a while back and, you know, it would have been really easy to, you know, kind of mask all of the emotions I was feeling during that breakup mm-hmm. with, you know, drugs. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I have kept up with, with my, my program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fortunately the temptation has never been so intense that I've that I've even wanted to give into it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the temptation's been there a couple times for sure. But for the most part, honestly, dude, like it's not even a temptation for me. Like, and, and I, I know that's not everyone's experience, but like, yeah. have you done, have you done stand up shows in Houston? Mm-mm, no, dude, Houston has the wildest Coke problem. It is crazy. <laughs> crazy. Those yeah. guys are wild. Like the green room uh, at the clubs there. It's just like, what? whoa, you guys need to chill out. Uh, Dang. But I can be around it all the time um, and not have an issue with it. As long as, you know, I'm, I'm keeping myself uh, or doing the things that I need to do to, to make sure that, you know, I'm healthy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mentally and emotionally and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like the, the, going back to the drugs and the alcohol, there, there've definitely been a couple times and, you know, every now and then I'll think like, like, especially during this lockdown, dude. Yeah. Like, especially during this. I was thinking, man, do you know how nice it would be just to like microdose some shrooms and just spend a day in spiritual heaven, you know? Yeah. Um, like coming up with a band name right now. Like it would be so easy if I just did some psychedelics, you know, I'd, I could come up with 30 band names like immediately. Yeah. Um, they'd probably all be shit, but I could come up with them. So are, are psychedelics and stuff, are that considered like all drugs are drugs? All drugs are equal in, in that type of mentality and like a, an addict's mentality? 
So, so for me, yeah. I, okay. I, and it's, okay. it's not the same for a lot of people. Like a lot of people will have done like really hard drugs and then, you know, they'll still drink every now and then, or they'll smoke weed every now and then. And, and they do that successfully and they never go back. You know, like uh-huh. one of my, one of my best buddies, like, you know, he, he had a, a really serious problem with, with benzos. Mm. Um, he doesn't do benzos anymore, uh, but he'll still smoke weed and he'll, you know, he'll still drink every, you know, every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, he's fine. He he's, he's done fine with that. But for me, like every time I tried to make that exception, like, okay, I'll smoke weed. I always ended up going back to, you know, the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I could never, I could never draw that line in the sand and say, I'm not crossing that line. Uh, it would, it would last for a little while, you know, like I could successfully for, you know, a couple months, like just drink and smoke weed. Uh, yeah. but ultimately like, oh, you know, it'd be fun to mix in some uppers or downers with, with, you know, the weed and the booze. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah, I guess that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so for uh, me, I just stay away from all of it. Well, good for you, man. Like, oh, man, this quarantine, I've, I've drank so much. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty sad. To, to the fact where I, I, made a, I made a deal with God or whoever that once comedy starts up again, like, I'll stop drinking for a while, you know, because yeah. alcohol makes me so lazy. And, and uh, I, I don't drink when I, when I perform. I don't drink at the mics. Uh, I don't uh, think I've ever seen you drink into the mics. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to do it. I've gone up drunk like once or twice and yeah. I'll be like, I wasted all this whole time to go mumble on stage about some bullshit. I don't even remember. Like it's, it's such a waste of time if you're going to get wasted at, at these open mics cause you're there to work on stuff. Yeah. And if you can't think straight, then you're not really working on anything. Have, uh, have you ever been drunk on stage and thought like, Oh, I killed that. And then listened to it later and been like, Oh, that was, that was rough. That was bad. No, I've been I've been to one where like I was like I knew I bombed and then when I listened back it was so much worse than I remembered. <laughs> like I knew I knew it was bad and then I listened back and I was like you weren't even saying words for like three minutes. <laughs> uh, but never once did I have alcohol confidence like oh that was the best show and then listen back now. Oh I, dude, I, I, I used to do that so much, man. I I I played a show in Connecticut. Uh-huh. Um, and there was, I mean, it was, it was, it was a pretty packed show. Um, and, and there was a, there was a lot of, uh, expectations for the band that I was in at the time. Uh-huh. And I got up there and thought I just killed it. Like I thought I crushed it. Yeah. Um, and it was live recorded. Um, and I went back and listened to it. I was just like, what the fuck was I doing? What, uh, what so was that? Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Dude. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, well, this was cool, man. I learned so much about you. This is what this podcast is all about, pretty much. Uh, yeah. so, so this was this was fun. This was excellent. Thanks for sharing with me. Uh, before we end, uh, your plugs again. Where can people find you? What you got going on? And your music and everything. Yeah, man. So um, all social media is at Davy Jacks. D A V E Y J A X. So uh, I would say Instagram and TikTok are like my two mains. Uh, I've got music on Spotify and iTunes. Um, well, actually, it's uh, my music's pretty much everywhere. It's it's pretty widely distributed, so that's cool. And then um, we do the Antisocial Hour podcast, uh, kind of a comedy collective with a, a new host every episode. And then we've got the uh, for for upcoming shows, we've got a Twitch live stream on Thursday uh, in a, in a couple of days. So that'll be fun. Uh, cool. As a matter of fact, I'd like to see if we could uh, kind of bring you on for a couple minutes on that, Patrick, if you're available that night. So that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. And and uh, you said your your yet to be named band has a show in July. Uh, we're gonna start gigging in June, hopefully. In June? We've, I mean, as long as as long as the venues are are open again, yeah. 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 Well, cool, man. Let me know what, what goes on with that and stuff. Yeah, dude. Out. No, I'll I'll keep you posted for sure, bro. All right, man. Thanks. 
Yeah, dude. Uh, laters. Late. Thank you.